The following is a hoop ball presentation. Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. Happy Tuesday, everybody. It's October the 20th, two-thirds almost of the way through October. I feel like I just did the show where we said, oh, crap, it's October 1st already. The weirdest damn year ever. I have no concept of time. It is flying, and at the same time, every day feels like a week. Every week feels like a month, and then I close my eyes, and it's late October. Welcome to Fantasy NBA Today. I'm Dan Bespris. Uh, Same general story as usual. This is your Tuesday edition. It's actually, wow, we're two weeks from Election Day. I know that's what's on everybody's mind right now. We're going to talk about some fantasy basketball, though. We'll give you a, a brief distraction here on the pod. And just kind of picking up where we left off. That's the, 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 the path we're on right now. There's very little going on. Uh, although it sounds like right as we're getting starting here recorded, the Pacers have actually made their decision on a head coaching spot. But otherwise, things are pretty quiet across the NBA right now. Lakers are trying to get out of paying Luol Deng, claiming that he had a career-ending injury. Um, Our buddy Corbin Ford has a sweet episode of NBA Today that dropped this morning with a Twitter OG, he described him to me, uh, Snotty Drippin. You've probably heard that Twitter name before. That's a that's a hell of a pull over there. So check out NBA Today with host Corbin Ford. That's our non-fantasy NBA show here on the Hoop Ball Network. The uh, Pacers are, re-inter- are uh, interested in re-signing uh, Justin Holiday. That's the kind of news we're getting this morning. That's how that's how exciting the NBA is right now. The Nuggets have said that Michael Porter Jr. is off limits. The Cavs and Andre Drummond are working on an extension, but apparently they're not very close to it. And then, yeah, I mean, the news on the Pacers, I guess, is your news of the day. Nate Bjorkren? Am I getting that right? Nate Bjorkren? I have no idea. I'm, I'm definitely mispronouncing that. Uh, he's worked his way through the, the NBA ranks. He had an opportunity as an assistant with the Suns and the Raptors. This is... His first head coaching gig, it sounds like Chris Finch, Chris Quinn, and Dan Craig were the other guys in the running uh, towards the end of the, the deal here in Indiana. And I, I don't I don't know what they're going to do out there because apparently Victor Oladipo wants to get traded. They have two centers, and they're trying to figure out how to play those two guys together. Nate McMillan apparently taking a lot of the heat for this whole thing, but um, I don't know. It, it's there's, there's some mismatch stuff going on, and then the injury to Jeremy Lamb was a, a pisser too. They just, I mean, they just weren't healthy at all. When it counted last year, really at all, almost ever. So who knows? Who knows? We'll, we're actually going to talk about the Pacers on today's podcast as it relates to storylines. They are the first team we're going to be covering, so I suppose we might as well just leap headlong right into the Indiana Pacers, shouldn't we? We are currently breaking down what teams did Last season, and when I say last season, I mean this most recent one. What did teams do this season that just ended? And how does that reflect upon what we expect them to do from a fantasy perspective? Meaning, really, 
the question, and I'm trying to keep these recaps brief because I know many of you have listened to these before. The recap basically is this. What teams are going to push next year during the regular season and also remain competitive, so kind of fighting for a playoff spot or fighting for playoff positioning while taking the regular season seriously? Those are the teams that get a little tiny check mark in should you or should you not draft them. One thing that we've talked about on this show is using examples from this most recent season. And and the ones that I'll do again to start this discussion is the Lakers are a team that took the season very seriously this year and probably won't next year because they won the championship and they have good chemistry and their key guys are all still there. The Blazers, the Clippers, I think are teams you could argue uh, I mean, the Blazers did take the regular season seriously, but they just they didn't have their pieces. The Clippers didn't at all take the regular season seriously. They have a new head coach. These are teams that you look at and you're like, oh, those are teams that are going to want to win some games next year. And that's really what we're looking at at this point. We're looking at how can I find players that are likely to go hard during the regular season. That's what we want in fantasy sports. So guys like Anthony Davis get a slight demerit. LeBron James gets a slight demerit. Not that that changes much for AD because he's always going to be the number two guy, uh, potentially even number one guy, depending on how many games LeBron takes off. But generally, I would say the number two guy behind James Harden. Uh, So I don't know how much that changes him. But with LeBron, I think that's a big deal. You know, he he was playing... uh, what was he? He was like at 34 minutes a game this year, right? Let me double check on that before we put that number out into the internet cyberspace. <laughs> he adjusts his bifocals. Yeah, LeBron played 34 and a half minutes this season. That number's almost definitely coming down. He played 67 of the Lakers games. He only missed a couple. Um, it's just not going to be that this coming year, especially considering they went all the way through the finals. They have the least rest of anyone coming into next year, whenever the hell it starts. So you'll see rest games for those guys. Um, You know, conversely, a team like the Blazers, who got knocked out in the first round of the playoffs, and I think they want that home court, that's a team that's going to push a little bit more next year. So that's kind of the way we're looking at things right now. The other way to look at it is to kind of look back and see how did we get to this point? Like, was there a way that we could have assessed some of this stuff even going into last year? And I think the Celtics are actually a pretty good example of that. Now, we talked about them on yesterday's podcast. The downside with the Celtics is that they're always going to push so hard that guys get hurt. You just have to hope it's not that severe. Unfortunately, a lot of their guys missed you know, more than a handful of games. Kemba was always a little bit of a, a wild card because he was coming over from a different spot. But Gordon Hayward, uh, fluky injuries derailed his stuff. Marcus Smart, he always plays so hard, he gets himself hurt. Jalen Brown, he sort of falls into that same bucket. Uh, Jason Tatum, Daniel Tice, just a handful of games missed. But those guys, they care about the regular season because Marcus Smart is their heartbeat. And they were coming off sort of the stink of Kyrie Irving, which is a weird thing to say because he's a, he's a champ who made the biggest shots in that championship run for Cleveland. But he was not a good fit, personality-wise, in Boston. So they sort of got out from that, and then they decided, all right, this is, you know, Kyrie's gone, let's let's go bust our hump. Anyway, that's how we got to Boston this most recent season as a team that made a lot of sense for uh, expectations of sort of big regular seasons, for better or worse. 
So we transition now to looking towards next year, and we start with the Indiana Pacers because we left off at Boston yesterday. Pacers went 45-28 and 28 during their 73-game regular season. They were, by all accounts, overachievers this year who uh, lost Malcolm Brogdon for 20 games, and Jeremy Lamb went down after three months of the regular season, and Victor Oladipo only came back after four months of the regular season and was never healthy. T.J. Warren was very good. Demonis Sabonis, when he was healthy, was very good. He missed 11 games. Miles Turner missed 11 games. You know, T.J. Warren, I guess you could say Justin Holiday, but as far as the, the big activity guys go, T.J. Warren was kind of their only healthy guy. And now, of course, he had a giant bubble, sort of inflated his numbers. He was already a, a Dan Vespers old man squad favorite kind of guy, but he just blew the roof off the building in the bubble. Sabonis presumably will be back healthy for next year. He was dealing with plantar fasciitis, so he missed the bubble and the playoffs. Miles Turner, you know, he's going to get dinged up from time to time. Malcolm Brogdon, we're seeing that he actually is a bit injury prone at this point. I think we can put that tag on him. And then who knows what the hell's going on with Oladipo. There's a sales job that's going to need to take place with this team to get buy-in under the new coach to not have to trade Oladipo. I mean, that's a that's a critical, that is a critical element going into this coming year. Can they convince Victor Oladipo to actually stick around and be ha- and be happy? He's on an expiring $21 million deal, which is not actually all that crazy for someone of his solid skill set. The Pacers are uh, pretty well locked in at this point. Sabonis signed his extension. Uh, Brogdon is making 21 mil. Miles Turner, 18. T.J. Warren, 12. That's a really good contract for him. Uh, Jeremy Lamb, he's going to miss, I would think, most of next year, making 10.5 million. And uh, Justin Holiday was really their only free agent coming into this offseason. Pretty much everybody else, if they want to, they can retain. So as far as continuity goes, that's actually a really good thing. But a coaching change does put a little bit of a dent into the continuity discussion. That said, if you've got their projected starting five healthy and happy going into next year, that's pretty formidable. That's Demonis Sabonis at center, Miles Turner at power forward, TJ Warren small forward, Oladipo at shooting guard, and Malcolm Brogdon at point guard. I know you need depth in the regular season to keep these guys from burning out, and, you know, no Jeremy Lamb there is going to be a pain in the butt. And Justin Holiday being a free agent, who knows what that deal is, is, is a pain in the butt. So, you know, their backups on this team right now that are healthy and reliable are uh, Doug McDermott and Aaron Holiday, basically. And if they guarantee the contract of TJ McConnell, uh, presumably he could then be a, a backup point guard option as well. But they're, they're quite thin behind everybody else. Goga Batadze is their backup center, and, you know, whatever. He'll, he'll play a handful of minutes every game, but that's, that's not going to get the job done. They need, they need something better than that. Um, they have no real backup wing. Edmund Sumner is the option there. You know, could he soak up shooting guard minutes as well? I suppose so. They're going to have to bring someone in to, uh, to log some of those backup minutes or bring Justin Holiday back. I think they could... I think they have some sort of opportunity there to uh, to bring him back around, but teams are going to love it. I mean, he's going to be a coveted basketball player this coming season. Justin Holiday was quite good. He was top 110 in fantasy. He played in all 73 regular season games for that team. 
and uh, very good defensively, very good three-point shooter. You know, there are teams with superstars that desperately need guys like Justin Holland. I mean, he would be a, a an optimal fit around LeBron, for instance. You throw him on the Lakers, he slots right into KCP's gig seamlessly if, if Caldwell Pope does indeed go elsewhere. So, you know, contracts, throw our contracts aside. The, the whole point of this discussion is to talk about what a team did this year and what that means going forward. But that's a hard discussion to have when there's a coaching change. And I don't know if the players were behind it. Like, did they, I assume they were consulted somehow, some way prior to Nate McMillan's ouster. But I don't know. From the outside, it seemed like they liked playing for their head coach. They played hard as hell during that playoff series. They played hard as hell all year long. I thought he maximized what what that team was capable of without Oladipo and then without Brogdon for very long stretches this year. I mean, I, like, what did we expect of them? They had a winning record both at home and on the road. Not a lot of teams can claim that in the NBA. They were 28-19 against the Eastern Conference. I guess you could argue maybe they should have been better against the East. In fact, they went 17 uh, and nine against the West is is actually pretty freaking impressive. But again, coaching change. So things might look different. Offensively, you might see some different stuff, which I guess wouldn't be the worst thing in the world. But those five starters are, are likely all going to be fantasy relevant. The question is, uh, who's getting pushed? The answer is, it's damn hard to say with this team because I think they expected to do more. I think they also realize there's almost no way they're going to be in that top two, maybe even top three discussion with the build that they currently have. They're just not, they're not as talented as the Bucks, the current iteration of the Raptors, although we don't know what they're going to look like starting next season. The Celtics, they're just a cut above I would have said the Sixers were a cut above, but they couldn't win a road game this year. And then I would have thought the Heat were a cut below, and they ended up playing their asses off uh, in the bubble in particular. And, and so they ended up, you know, right there. Although the Heat actually weren't that great prior to the playoffs starting in the bubble. They, I think they went like 4-4 four and four in those eight games, something like that, right? Doesn't matter. We don't need to look that up right now. Not super important. Uh, fact of the matter is, the Pacers want to do more in the playoffs. I think they expect to go farther, but I also think they would prefer to, you know, continue to put their stamp on the regular season. There's going to be home court in the playoffs next season. I don't think they're going into an Orlando bubble again. And so getting third or fourth seed in the Eastern Conference is probably going to be a goal for that team. So I expect them to take the regular season relatively seriously. They didn't get overextended losing in the first round of the bubble, so they're not ultra-tired by any stretch. And then you just have to sort of gauge... How, how durable you think these guys are. T.J. Warren seemingly pretty durable these days. Uh, Oladipo, maybe less so, but who knows what he looks like coming back after injury after injury, trying to get himself healthy. Brogdon, his percentages went into the toilet this year. I would expect those to come back a little bit, maybe as his role diminishes, but we've talked about it before. Let's not get cute. Usage is value. And if his usage does go down, which I'm guessing it will, even a bump in field goal percent. It would have to be a big one to make up for not getting to do as much as he did this year. 
Uh, Miles Turner, this is his job now. This is what he is. He plays alongside Demonis Sabonis. His numbers are not going to be as stratospheric as they were as the starting center. We need to accept that. Sabonis, great, great counting stats. Holes in his peripheral stuff that gets overlooked because of the points, rebounds, and assists for a big man. No threes, minimal defensive stats, good field goal percent, not great free throw, high turnovers because he does orchestrate. To me, he'll be overdrafted a little bit. Uh, I don't know where the hell Miles Turner's going to go next year. I think Brogdon will get overdrafted. Oladipo might actually be a value. And then TJ Warren is somehow always a value because I think people have already forgotten how good he was in the bubble. I think they've already forgotten. Who gets pushed? Probably all of them a little bit. Pacers are interesting. But sometimes it doesn't matter how hard they get pushed if guys are too buzzy already coming into the year. Sabonis is likely that guy. Although maybe I'll be surprised. Who knows? Maybe these guys drop off a little bit. Next team on the dock, the Miami Heat. Well, this is, this, is a, this is a much easier one. The Heat went as far as you can go without coming home with a trophy. Minus one game. They pushed the Lakers to six in the finals. They beat the Pacers, the Bucks, and the Celtics on their way through the Eastern Conference. The only team above them they didn't have to play was the Raptors. Pretty remarkable stuff. Came out of the East as the five seed in a weird year in under special circumstances. And... They're in a weird spot. There's no way around it. The Heat, to me, are ripe for a huge letdown next year. They're going to have all the buzz in the universe after the run they put on in the bubble. After Jimmy Butler, you know, Jimmy Butler's superstar stories running nonstop and Bam Adebayo, next great big man story. And don't get me wrong. We've talked on this show a thousand times about how I think Jimmy Butler has been underrated throughout his career. And Adebayo, he was a, a hoop ball six guy last year who even as a buzz guy, still on a totals basis because of his durability, managed to beat those numbers. On a per game basis, he was uh, relatively close, I think, to where people were drafting. I mean, he played in 72 of their 73 games, so that's that's a big bump in his value. Jimmy Butler's always going to miss games. I think there was the... Uh, I think it was a family thing early on. It was the birth of a kid right at the beginning of the year. And then there's always like knees and wrists and ankles. And he just, he plays so hard and gets fouled so damn much and pushes himself to the limit. He's going to miss basketball games, even under normal circumstances. This coming season, he will miss games and it will not be a small number. I would venture to say that almost everyone on the Heat that is expected to play critical starters minutes, is going to miss some time. I know Adebayo prides himself on never missing a game ever. But I don't, I don't know how they push that hard during the regular season after this deep playoff run. And not only was it a deep playoff run, but let's not forget the fact that Jimmy Butler literally never left the floor. He was playing... 44 to 47 minutes a game in that series against the Lakers. I don't care how superhuman you you claim to be. He is still at his core human and a guy who misses regular season games with nagging injuries all the time. Jimmy Butler's a guy I would hard avoid this coming season in fantasy. Hard avoid. I loved him this last year. 
and he didn't play enough games to really satisfy that love. His numbers were great per game basis. He was doing exactly what I was hoping, but he just missed game here, missed game there, two here, two there, and all of a sudden he had missed, you know, 12, 13 games. Goran Dragic is off the books for the Heat, so $19 million back into their pockets there. Solomon Hill's $13 million deal. Myers Leonard's $11 million deal. Jay Crowder's eight. Udonis Haslam, 40-year-old Udonis Haslam is off the books. Derek Jones Jr. is off the books. The Heat's payroll takes a nosedive this offseason. They, you know, they're setting themselves up to try to get a second superstar next to Jimmy Butler, and it seems more and more like they really might do it. Because they look like a great place. Miami looks like a great place to play. This playoff run was about the best thing they could have possibly had for their branding power in Miami. But, I mean, this is a team that, even if Tyler Harrow takes a step forward and Adebayo takes a step forward, there's just not going to be the juice during this upcoming regular season. So I would dodge the heat. Almost like the plague this coming year. That is maybe the scariest team in fantasy for me to dabble in. Lakers, obviously, up there as well. The two teams that made the finals. That shouldn't be that surprising. When teams make the finals, they tend to coast a little bit. The Philadelphia 76ers. The Heat were sort of a shorter one because, to me, they're a relatively easy team to handicap for next year. The 76ers, this was a big letdown, and you saw the result. Uh, Coaching change brought in... Big, proven name in Doc Rivers. What are we going to see in terms of contract stuff? I mean, there's there really isn't a whole lot they can do. Now, their, their whole team is signed to these colossal deals until eternity. 76ers payroll is over $139 million for three more seasons. Although Al Horford, I think his deal is non-guaranteed that last year so at least two more years they're locked in at this point they're going to be looking for things to do around the edges can they bring in shooters that get waived by other teams do they have you know second round picks they could dole out near the trade deadline whenever that happens to be this coming year to bring in some guns around their main dudes you know we've heard talk about whether they're going to try to trade Ben Simmons or trade Joel Embiid and build around one or the other You know, Ben Simmons, he's on a $180 million contract that is five years that starts this coming season. It's just now kicking in. Joel Embiid has three more years on his deal. You're not getting out from under Tobias Harris or Al Horford. Those deals are basically not movable at this point. So I think you just have to try to figure out how to use what you've got. You know, with all that in the the tank say they're hamstrung or something like that, I still firmly believe that this Sixers team can win the East, as is. I know their shooting needs work, but, like, the Lakers didn't have great shooters. A couple of guys that were better than average from three-point land, like, what, KCP? Danny Green, are those your are those your guys? When you talk about the Lakers, who do, who do you and and Green obviously very streaky. Who are you counting on? Lakers were able to get Markeith Morris as a, a stretch big man at the out of the the waiver pool near the deadline, but like the Lakers were short on three point shooters. 
there's a way to make it work. And I, I know the response, the obvious response to that is, yeah, but they have, they have LeBron James and Anthony Davis who are maybe the, you know, number one and like number five guys in the NBA. That's a, that's a formidable duo. Yeah, that's true. Uh, and, and, you know, we see in the playoffs that depth is less important than star power and, and schematics. And it's not, you know, we're not saying that Philadelphia has depth, but, you know, I would argue that you have two stars on this Philly team. I think Joel Embiid is a superstar. He, he's able to do things on a basketball court that no one else in the NBA can do. Ben Simmons, he can actually do some stuff on a court that no one else can do either. He just can't shoot. It's like a lesser iteration of Giannis at this point. Giannis, of course, a far more proficient offensive player. Tobias Harris, I get it. People hate his contract, but he's really not bad. He gets clobbered. He did average 20 points a game last year, shot 47% from the field, 47-81 at the free throw line, almost two threes a game. They have Josh Richardson on their roster. They they have enough. They're not probably enough to win the title. They, they'd run into some Western Conference buzzsaw. But I see absolutely no reason why a healthy 76ers team could not win the East. Again, they went 31-4 and four at home. They were really good within their own conference, which you'd probably argue was the toughest conference in the East. You had the Sixers, the Nets, the Celtics, the Raptors. The Knicks were the only bad team within their, within their division. I, said the, I think I said conference. I meant division. They were good in their division. They were the best in their division of any of those teams I just listed. They, they stepped their game up in critical moments. They just didn't have their guy. They needed Ben Simmons in the playoffs. If they were going to beat the Celtics, they needed someone that could run a fast break. Every single possession for Philly in the playoffs was Joel Embiid in the post. And he didn't have the energy for that. And Boston just kept throwing him into pick and rolls. And that didn't work out very well. He was trying, give him credit. But, I mean, they were down their second best player. It's hard. Take the second best player off of any of these other teams and see what they look like. I don't know who that is on some of these teams. Take Pascal Siakam off the Raptors. See how far they go. Take Chris Middleton off the Bucks. See how far they go. You saw that with the Pacers. Maybe they lost their best player if Conan Oladipo is hurt. It's hard. Take Bam Adebayo off the Heat. Take Anthony Davis off the Lakers. Take Paul George off the Clippers. Like... I don't know what we were expecting from the Sixers in the playoffs. I know they still had a lot of big names. Ben Simmons was, he's their engine. He's the go guy. Two steals a game. Great defender. Pushing triple doubles on offense. I don't think they need a massive overhaul. They need floor spacing. They need to stagger Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid. Let those guys run the offense and let everybody else pretty much work off of them. Simplify. And run. I mean, run like hell. But you know what? You have a pretty good cho- you have a pretty good option if you get stuck in a half court. And beat in the post? I'll take that. So, in terms of, you know, what do we expect for next year? Uh, this, was, this was a little bit unusual in that, you know, Ben Simmons had been extraordinarily healthy. His first two full seasons in the NBA. I know he didn't play his rookie year. He had the foot thing that was whole part of the process at that point. 
This was the first year he's actually missed any kind of significant time. He missed about, I think he's 16 regular season games. I would expect Simmons comes back and is largely healthy next year. I don't know where he gets drafted. He usually gets overdrafted uh, because of those giant counting stats, so I don't know if it's actually going to help us very much that he had kind of a down year from an injury standpoint. Joel Embiid is never going to be fully healthy, so don't expect him to play in games. Tobias Harris... I get it. I know you're looking at him. You're like 52 on a per game basis. That's right where I drafted him. But you know where he was by totals? 19. Top 20 by totals because he played in every single damn game for the 76ers besides one. If you're a top 50 guy and you play in every single game, you're a hell of an asset. So clown on him all you want. He was a great fantasy pick this year. Al Horford is largely undraftable unless you expect Embiid to miss 20-plus games again because that's where his value creeps in. He's a handcuff at this point. And then Josh Richardson at number 144, uh, I think he's better than that next year, but I don't think it's by much. You know, he was a guy that people were targeting in that 75 range, hoping his defensive stats would come back. They didn't. He was hurt a lot this year. He missed 18 games. So there's a lot of bounce back opportunity here. I just I think you're looking more at like a top 90, top 100 type, and not the 75, 65, 75 range that that folks were praying for with him. That that to me is just not happening as a fourth option on this team. But I think when guys are healthy, they're going to be pushing. They want home court. Clearly, they're better at home. So this is a team that's going to want to be in the top two or three. Uh, I think they're an interesting fantasy team. I, you know, if you trust the health of Embiid, which I don't really, uh, he's an interesting pick. If you trust Ben Simmons to not get overdrafted, he's an interesting pick. I, I mean, I would, I would try to target these guys, and then I would need to be talked out of them. Is probably the best way to phrase it. Meaning, you know, is Joel Embiid going at like eight or nine? That's too early. That talks me out of it because I need a first round pick who's going to play at least 70 games. And Embiid has never gotten to that mark. He played in 51 out of 73 this year for them. You can't do it. He was number 48 by totals because of those missed games. Is Ben Simmons going to get drafted at 25? Or is he going to get drafted at 35? That's a huge difference. He was number 36 on a per-game basis. He was 44 by totals. Again, I expect his health will be better next year. If he's going towards the end of the third round... I would strongly consider it. I think he fits that mold because of the health thing. I think he'll be better next year. Tobias Harris, is he going to go around 50 again? I'll snap him up in a heartbeat. He's going to love playing under Doc Rivers. That was his best time in the NBA was under Doc. Josh Richardson, question mark. I mean, I think he'll play. I think he'll be healthier. But how good is he going to be? That remains to be seen. The uh, the Brooklyn Nets are uh, the next team on the docket here. Um, how do we want to do this? We got nine teams left. Mm. There's a lot to talk about with Brooklyn. Man, I feel like I almost got to save them. Should we jump over Brooklyn, do the magic, and then come back, or just put a pin in it and make this one a little shorter? Uh, we're going to make this one a little bit shorter. Before we go, though, I want to remind you guys to check out our buddies at Manscaped.com. As I've mentioned before, this is a really big month for us in our partnership with Manscaped. Really big month. This is review month for Manscaped.com. So if you've been thinking about getting that lawnmower, we really need you guys to do it this month. Don't wait any longer. 
Because if they're like, meh, nobody bought anything in October, then we might not have that coupon anymore and we might not be able to get their next iteration of cool new stuff. So please, 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 if you're thinking about getting something, we got the holidays coming up. It actually makes a hell of a gift for uh, a man in your life. I know that's mostly dudes listening to this podcast. It's not all dudes. Not all. There are plenty of women that listen to this show. So potential gift for a boyfriend, husband, whatever. And if you're a dude... A uh, gift for a dad for the holidays. I'm sure most of, most, most of your fathers are hairy as hell and not doing anything about it. You could give it to a buddy. It's a little weird, I guess. But you could do it. Maybe you're quite close. <laughs> Maybe you can, can't even finish that thought. Uh, Manscaped.com. Promo code again is HoopBall20. It's 20% off and free shipping on your order. The Lawnmower 3.0. It's pinch-free. The built-in LED is super. Have you guys ever used... Like, if you ever use a power drill... A driver, those generally have LEDs on them so you can see what you are drilling into the wall. This is the same kind of thing. Why would you shave in the dark? Why would you shave in a room? Like, you want to shave in front of an open window with the sun coming in so you can see every hair on your face, neck, back, whatever, but that's probably not cool for your neighbors. So get a light on the thing that you're shaving with. Hoopball20. Again, the promo code, do it now at manscaped.com. I hope you guys got uh, an ExpressVPN membership. Those things are really cool. I told you all about them yesterday, and I'll tell you more about them on a an upcoming show. We're going to put a pin in it here. There were some interesting ones on this one. We'll start with the Nets tomorrow. That's a loaded one. Nets, Magic Wizards, and probably the Hornets on tomorrow's show. Uh, Bulls through Cavs on Thursday. And then, very excited, Josh Millman coming up on our Friday episode here on t- uh, Fantasy NBA Today. I am Dan Basbris at D-A-N-B-E-S-B-R-I-S on Twitter or just Google search Dan from HoopBall. This is Fantasy NBA Today, a HoopBall presentation. We are no longer holding the fantasy. It's Fantasy NBA Today with extra melted fantasy. Have a great Tuesday, everybody. We'll talk to you tomorrow morning. This has been a Hoop Ball presentation.